In this podcast, we're all about doing more by doing less and finding a few things that give us a huge bang for our efforts. And most times when we're trying to make changes, it involves some kind of goal setting. Depending on when you're listening to this, it might even be the start of the year when this goes live. This is when most of us are setting goals. But setting goals is only a small part of the equation. There is one extra thing, one thing that makes a huge difference, one layer that if you add it to your goal setting would greatly increase the chances that you will actually achieve it. Most things don't matter, but the few that matter, matter a lot. Welcome to 8020 Productivity, the show dedicated to helping you do more by doing less so that you can have more time and energy to enjoy life to the fullest. Now here's your host, author, speaker, and productivity nerd, Anthony Sani. So today we're going to talk about that something, something you can do. And it's relevant at any time you're aiming to make some change. It doesn't have to be at the end, at the start of a new year. At any point in time, really, when you're setting a goal, adding this layer is a huge game changer. And as I said before, it helps you do so much more considering how much effort it takes to do it. So today we're talking about something you can do, a process, a practice that increases your chances of goal attainment immensely. The actual percentage is, is mind-boggling. So in psychology, in, in, the, in the psychology literature, goal intention is typically what they, what they call our action of setting goals. So if you intend to do something, that's considered a goal intention. You could go as far as even writing it down, a goal intention. I intend to lose weight or build muscle. I intend to make more money. I intend to expand my business. I intend to fill in the blank. That's a goal intention. But the literature suggests that goal intention accounts for only about a 25% variance between attaining a goal and not attaining a goal. What does that mean? That means that if two people are just going about living their lives, the odds that the person who sets a goal will attain it compared to the person who doesn't set the goal is only 25%. You're only 25% quote-unquote better than someone who doesn't set a goal. That's as far as goal intention takes you in goal on the road to goal attainment. However, adding this layer, which is what we're talking about today, actually doubles it. So if you add, if you take those two people again, one person, one person sets a goal, the other person doesn't, and then the person that sets the goal is 25% more likely. Well, if you took two other people, both of whom set goals, the person who adds this layer will be twice as likely to attain the goal as the person who simply set that goal. And I, I, I know that that's probably gotten you interested in what we're talking about today. And as you know from the title of the podcast, if you're listening to it, where there's a title, we're talking about implementation intention. So we're going to go fairly deep as we do on these deep dives into implementation intentions. We'll talk about exactly what an implementation intention is. Then we'll talk about why does it work and the ways in which it works. I'm a big believer that if we understand how something works, especially psychological processes that impact our ability to be productive and effective, do more by doing less, etc. When we understand how it works, then we're in a much more, we're much better positioned to tweak it, to play with it, to apply it, rather than just following things blindly without understanding how they work. I think it makes a huge difference. So we'll talk about, again, what it is, why it works, and we'll also talk about the limitations of implementation intentions. I think it's important to know that it's absolutely a case of horses for courses. You want to know when when a tool is applicable versus when it is not. And so without further ado, let's get right into this, this exciting episode on implementation intentions. Okay, implementation intentions. Exactly what are they? What is an implementation intention? And we'll be drawing on some of the psychological literature as we go into this. You you may have already heard about an implement about implementation intentions, especially if you're listening to this podcast. It's likely you've read quite a bit of the productivity literature that's out there, both the popular writings of authors like 
like James Clare and a couple of others, they've all written, they've all, a lot of them, even I, in my book on The Law of the Vital Few, I mentioned implementation intentions. But what exactly is an implementation intention? I think it's worth defining it so that we're all speaking the same language. And the the best uh, definition that I found is from a paper that a paper we'll be using a lot in this deep dive because it's a really good meta study on on implementation intentions in psychological literature. But we'll also keep this practical. What can you actually do? And so what is the definition? An implementation intention is a set of intentions usually articulated that expresses exactly how one will go about performing the actions that lead to goal attainment. In the paper, Dr. Goldwitzer says, quote, implementation intentions link critical situational cues with instrumental goal-directed goal responses, end quote. In other words, if, why, then, Z. Now, the paper goes on to say that if situation Z, if situation Y arises, I will perform the goal-directed response Z. So this is really what implementation intentions are about. It's, it's more than just intention. It's an implementation intention. So keep in mind, we started off by talking about goal intentions. Right now, we're talking about implementation intentions. In other words, you've 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 decided what the what is, what the goal is. The implementation intention really is about how. And so, importantly, in implementation intentions, you want to specify when, where, and how you act towards realizing a goal. And this is a critical part of the paper on implementation intentions. Well, it's not on implementation intentions. It's not in the title, but it's really about implementation intentions and how they help you attain your goal versus just intend to attain your goal. So that's what an implementation intention is, simply speaking. There is a set of if then if 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 X then Y or if Y then Z type of statements that help you link the actions that you need to take to attain your goal, help you link those to situational cues around you. In other words, when you will take the action, where you will take the action, and how you will take the action that helps you move closer toward realizing your goal. So that's what implementation intentions are. Now, Let's let's maybe let's solidify this with an example of an implementation intention, right? So let's say you decided you wanted to work out more. You wanted to get healthier, as they say. You wanted to lose weight. So that's an intention. Even if you went as far as making it a smart goal. If you say smart smart goals being S for specific, M measurable, A attainable, R result oriented, C time bound, right? That's a classic structure for articulating goals. There are many others, but this is the popular one. So a specific goal around losing weight might be by December 31st, 2023, I will weigh 10 kilos less than I weigh now. Or well, let's say I will weigh 75 kilos, right? That's a, that's a specific goal. That's measurable, right? It's attainable depending on your health, your level of health and all that. It's results-oriented and it's time-bound. It checks off all those boxes for a solid goal intention, but it doesn't say much about your implementation, does it? So a layer on top of this goal of saying you will weigh 75 kilos, say, by the by a certain date, so your, your goal is set and the time is set, an implementation intention might be, I will work out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the gym in my office building from 12 to 1 p.m. during lunch. So let's break down why that is a strong implementation intention. Here are the, here's the checklist. Does it link your critical situational cue with an instrumental goal-directed action? Yes. The situational cue is lunch hour on certain days of the week, and it links that to the goal-directed action, which is getting up and exercising. Right. So that is a very powerful implementation intention for that reason. What else was the other aspect of typically losing weight? Maybe nutrition is an aspect of it, right? You could go on to say maybe you've identified that you snack a lot on unhealthy foods. And I'm using size and fitness as an example because 
It's one of the most popular goals people set in North America as a whole, according to statista.com. It's one of it's one of the most popular, but also it kind of cuts across the board, right? This could also this could apply to starting the business. It could apply to making more money, spending time with your family, but the fitness one, most of us could probably do with a little bit more fitness so that's why i'm using this example and i hope it helps you if even if you need to translate it in your own in your own mind to what might really be top of mind for you but let's you let's use this as an, as an example okay what's the other aspect that ties into that plays into being healthier well nutrition obviously is a big one and so let's say this person or yourself whoever hypothetically you snack a lot on unhealthy foods there's probably situational cues that lead you to do that. You can create an implementation intention that addresses that. You could say that uh, whenever I'm at the store and I'm and I feel tempted to buy, say, uh, a bear claw, right, or a donut, I will buy a stick of I'll buy a carrot instead. I mean, something like that, right? The point is, there's a situational cue, and you attach a goal-directed response to it. It could even be a negative one. You could say simply that when you're at the store, you will not buy any any unhealthy foods you would buy fruits and vegetables instead and a quick aside here this plays into the proximity effect of habit change and of goal attainment if you have something within reach the likelihood that you will use it is higher so if you have sugary unhealthy foods in your in your vicinity the odds that you eat them is much higher than if you have to go through some kind of pain or inconvenience to get them that's just a little digression here but it still ties into implementation intentions because as we'll discuss later in the podcast, there are certain quality markers in practical terms that determine whether or not your implementation intention will give you the best bang for your buck as far as helping you with your goal attainment. But that's all for defining what an implementation intention is. Quickly to recap this, session, this section, it's a set of intentions articulated that expresses exactly how you'll go about performing the actions that will lead to goal attainment. Specifically, it links critical situational cues with instrumental goal-directed responses. If, why, then, Z. Okay, now that we've talked about what an implementation intention is, uh, let's get into some of the meaty stuff, some of the really cool nerdy stuff, but also the useful stuff that will help you start to really unpack why implementation intentions work. Why do implementation intentions work? Um, implementation intentions, according to the literature, work for, for, for an interesting set of reasons. And it's not so much what the implementation intention itself is as much as how it addresses the, the behaviors and the factors that tend to stop you from attaining your goal. Let me say that again. Implementation intentions work best because they combat problems that arise during goal pursuit. So in the literature, it's called a goal protection strategy, a goal protection strategy. And in the paper that we're basing a lot of this on, but not all of it, but a lot of it on is there are four ways in which Dr. in which Peter Goldwitzer says, based on his meta study, that implementation intentions help you in attaining your goal. One way is, or I should say rather, one of the ways in which we tend to fail in goal pursuit that implementation intentions addresses is failing to get started. Right. So once you've set a goal, a lot of people set the goal, but they fail to initiate goal-directed responses, especially when the opportunity arises. So a classic example, again, might be maybe you've set a goal to spend more time with a loved one, but then you never really initiate that behavior when the opportunity arises. Maybe it's a weekend, but then you just don't take the time to go spend time with that person. Often you even fail to notice the opportunity because you haven't set an implementation intention. Remember that links the critical situational cue 
to the action. Going back to the fitness example, because in the example we gave, remember we said every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at lunch hour, that is a very powerful implementation intention because it forces you to get started. When it's Monday at noon, that's your cue. You have to get up and do something. So implementation intentions help you in that way. They help you by combating the tendency to just not get started because they've linked as an action with a situational cue. So once that cue shows up, you know you got to get up and do something. I remember for me personally, and this might apply to you as well, the example I think of for myself is using Todoist. Todoist is an app that helps you kind of capture ideas on the go, create your to-do list in a very error in a very free way. It's an app on your phone. If you don't know what it is, check it out. If, you, if you're looking for an app that helps you capture notes, take idea, capture ideas and create a to-do list in a very convenient way and also sort and organize it, to-do list is great. I still use the free version and it's working great for me. But I had a goal to create more content last year and there was a lot of friction because there was really no, there was really no way to link the queue to take in action. Now, action for me would be capturing ideas, developing the ideas, and ultimately presenting the ideas in some form of content. But I was being stopped at the starting point, the actual capturing of ideas, which for me maps out to failing to get started. And maybe you're going through something similar. But by taking an, by using an app called Todoist, I downloaded the app when I learned about it from, from somebody that I, that I, that I follow and listen to and respect. I actually don't remember who, if I'm being honest, but I started using Todoist. And what it did was it bridged the gap between the situational cue of when I have an idea and the goal directed response, which is to capture that idea and eventually work on it. So it helped me pretty much get started on my ideas. Now for you, Say you had a goal of creating more content. Your point, your sticking point might not be capturing ideas. Maybe you have ideas all day long. Maybe you capture them very, very well. Your failure to get started might be the actual development of the idea. So your implementation intention will look very different from mine. And I think that's an important point to make here. There is no one size fits all in how implementation intentions work. You kind of have to know what your sticking point is, especially in this point of how implementation intentions help you in failing in, in failing to get started in helping you overcome the tendency to not get started so that's the first way implementation intentions help you it help they help you overcome failing to get started because they've linked a critical situational cue with a goal-directed response so you are less likely to simply forget or just not do the thing or not be sure when you should act so let's move on to the second way implementation intentions help us the second way implementation intentions help us is in helping us prevent derailment. They help prevent us from getting derailed. Um, derailment often happens in the in the in the pursuit of our goals because we may have started out well or we may have been going doing things okay but then when life starts to happen perhaps when other other commitments creep up we tend to get derailed we, we, we may fail to achieve our goals because we we just get distracted right often our goals require us to be persistent at least for a set amount of time, you need some level of persistence to achieve your goal. And if you're easily derailed or easily distracted, then the odds that you'll achieve that goal is just, it's just so much lower. No matter how quote unquote trivial the goal may be, even a goal to, to read more books. Now that's not trivial by any shot. For a lot of us, setting that goal is worthwhile. Becoming better read is, is something that we could always do more with, especially if you're a knowledge worker. But it's also something that requires time. Whether you're listening to the books or actually reading them, when life gets busy, it's very easy um, to get derailed. These distractions or derailing agents can come in the form of temptations from outside. They could also be internal right? They could be our very own moods. They could be habits we've already developed that, that fight with these new changes we are, we're trying to make. And so having an implementation intention helps us, keeps us 
in line as it the paper doesn't mention this but i i consider implementation intentions as a form of directing our future behavior in a very specific way and that's relevant because we tend to get derailed obviously it doesn't happen in the past it happens in the future so an implementation intention helps regulate how we will behave in the future so that we are less likely to get derailed and we'll talk about one of the ways that you can enhance your implementation intentions to, to, to really get this part of implementation intentions working for you, even like, like on steroids, like next level versus just an if, why, then Z statement. Okay, actually, it's a buildup on the if, why, then Z statement, but let me not give it away. We'll get into that when we talk about what makes for a good implementation intention later on. But for now, know that the second reason why it works is because it helps you prevent, it prevents you from getting derailed when temptations and distractions show up. And again, it is a form of goal protection. Now let's go on to the third reason. The third reason why implementation intentions help you attain your goals is they prevent you from becoming rigid. Now, if I'm being perfectly frank with you, this was one of the claims for implementation intentions made in this paper and made in other articles I found that I'm not completely sold on. I'm not sold on it, but I'll, I will share with you what the claim is, and then I'll share with you why I'm not entirely sold on it. So the claim appears to be that because people tend to fail to achieve their goals because they become rigid in their pursuit, implementation intentions respect the quality of the goal or respect the, the primacy, like I like to call it, of the goal. And so it makes it more likely that you will adjust your behavior situationally should you need to. But let's talk first about this rigidity. So the, the idea here is you might have started down a certain path to achieve your goal, but then maybe that path isn't yielding results. For most people, there is a loss aversion, right? That's, that's related to changing paths. People become invested in the paths they they choose to achieve their goals or that they think will help them achieve their goals. And so they tend to just keep going, even though they're not getting the results that they necessarily need. Um, and the claim here seems to be that implementation intentions helps you to prevent that. On the face of it, uh, it sounds it sounds interesting, but I'm not convinced. Now, I'm not going to go into a whole critique of the idea, but I just want to add the caveat to this claim because I think it, it doesn't serve us, uh, you, my listener, in a practical sense, not to understand why this might be not entirely the case. And once you understand that it's not entirely the case, then we're able to put things in place so that we can combat this tendency to become rigid outside potentially of implementation intentions. It, it might be something else. It might be how we enhance the, the basic implementation intention so that it actually does fulfill this. And maybe that's what the authors were thinking. But again, um, plainly, you know, just the basic implementation intention, uh, it's, not, it's not evidence clear to me. It's not clear to me how it would help you avoid becoming rigid the claim they make is that it respects the or the primacy of the goal. They say that by specifying an opportunity to act, it makes the person less, it makes the person more open to identifying alternatives is the claim. They also say that it, it doesn't, this is interesting because one of the claims the the paper makes and other literature on implementation intention makes is that it does not make you unresponsive. So it's a not thing. It's not like it makes you a certain way. It's that it does not make you a certain way. So again, I'm not entirely, I'm not sold. And the last claim is that it, 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 it can be used to disrupt the escalation of commitment, which is what I mentioned earlier, except that I called it by a different name, right? I called it becoming invested in in the path, becoming invested in your approach to to the goal, to attaining the goal. The fourth way that implementation intentions can help you with goal attainment is what I simply call the ego problem. <laughs> the ego problem. This is what this is a big one. 
This is a big one. And I think this is where implementation intentions really, really shine. And if I had to pick one major overarching reason why implementation intentions seem to work so well in goal attainment, it would be this one. It would be this one for sure. So what exactly is the ego problem? And I'm not talking about having a chip on your shoulder or being proud or being full of yourself. Ego here is is a technical term. We're talking about self-control, talking about discipline, talking about will, as it were. Some of you might have read the book Willpower by Dr. Ballmeister, really good book on the limitations of willpower and how our willpower with what's called ego, gets depleted over time. And there's a lot of fascinating research around ego depletion. There's something, and if I can find it, I'll stick it in the show notes. There's research that shows that people are more likely to indulge in infidelity, fraud towards the end of the day right? When their ego is depleted, when they don't have a lot of energy, apparently, not apparently, the evidence shows that it takes a lot of effort to resist temptation. You can, you can be physically tired out by decision-making and by activities that demand that you apply your mental abilities, especially when it comes to willpower. So how does implementation intentions how do implementation intentions help with this well this is where the the robot school of productivity comes into it when you've set an implementation intention especially if it's in the form of an if why then z kind of situation so if it's monday at noon monday at lunch hour i am going for my workout at the gym in the office building it, you really don't have to make that decision again, right? I call this deciding in advance, which is what I consider the meta ability of habit formation. Every form of habit formation depends on some kind of advanced decision. And implementation intentions really dial that up, don't they? By saying that on Monday at noon is when I work out at lunch hour. When lunch hour hits on Monday, guess what you're doing? No, you're not thinking about it. You're just going, well, you, that's, the, that's the assumption. You're just going to go work out. It takes away the ego-depleting process of deciding every single day and week when I'm going to work out, where I'm going to work out, etc., etc., right? It removes the labor of making the decision many, many times over. And again, this is one of the most powerful, I think, uh, positive effects of implementation intentions is that it just removes it from conscious effort, right? It makes your self-regulation more automatic and prevents ego depletion from even taking place at all. Now, it's it's really interesting how this appears to work because ego depletion, the ego depletion process is, is related to when your own regulatory resources are drained because you're exercising self-control in a demanding task, usually a demanding first task related to your goal. So usually it's that first step that seems to be the one that's the most difficult hurdle to get over. It's like, think about it again this way, going to the gym, right? Usually the hardest part of going to the gym is not the workout. The hardest part of going to the gym is going to the gym. It's showing up. And so the decision over and over again can get really tiresome, really bothersome fast. So using the example of the gym, how can you relate this to other aspects of your own life? For me, for example, I'll tell you, recording these podcasts, once I get into them, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy having these conversations, like pretending you're sitting here with me and we're having these conversations. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy articulating these ideas and I learn so much when I do them and never according to what I what I outline because the ideas flow as I get into it and I hope that that comes across when you listen. But I'm not going to lie to you. Sitting down to record them is really difficult difficult for me for some reason. So if I can have an implementation intention that says every, say, Saturday at 
11 p.m. when I know the house is going to be empty and quiet, etc., I'm going to sit down and record 30 minutes or one hour or whatever of my podcast. That makes it so much easier because now there's no ego depletion. I don't have to think about it every single week. When am I going to sit down? When am I going to set up? When am I going to outline my, my podcast? None of that, right? None of that. It's set and you just do it. I mentioned the robot school of productivity earlier. And the robot school says that once you've made your plan, you just become a robot. You just execute. You don't think about it. You just execute. You trust your past self that your past self has made the right plans. And then you just execute them and just go for the results from the execution. And this, I again, this is a big part of why I think implementation intentions work because ego depletion is one of the most for me speaking personally ego depletion is one of the is one of the biggest problems to to executing the goal directed responses that will move me toward the things that I want and so if there's anything I can do to to remove that to remove that constant decision making hassle with some kind of automatic pre-thought out plan pre-thought out implementation intention then I'm all for it. And I invite you to consider this strongly for yourself. And even if you, even if you don't see right now how ego depletion might be affecting you, I, I guarantee you it is. A lot of us make, we make a lot of decisions over the course of the day and we don't understand often how much that affects us. And one of the, one of the best things you can optimize is your decision-making process. As much as you can make your decisions in advance, it makes the execution of your day so much easier. We have all kinds of tools these days that help us normally. We have our calendars. Our calendars are a kind of, for me anyway, ego ego preserving tool because you set your day in advance and you if you follow the calendar really you shouldn't have to be making too many decisions on what to do next really so that again that was a bit of an aside the whole talk about the calendar the main idea to take away here is one of the ways in which implementation intentions work in helping goal attainment is that they help you overcome what I call the ego problem by helping you determine in advance how you're going to act when the situational cues arise so that it doesn't tire you out having to make those decisions over and over and over again. So that was quite the... Uh the dive wasn't it into implementation intentions and how they work but i hope you found value in learning that stuff i know i definitely enjoyed sharing it with you i enjoyed learning it myself um, and applying it so now let's talk about what you might want to what you might be here for which is the main features of a good implementation intention. Now, what I'm going to be sharing with you in this section of the podcast of this episode is based on research, but also heavily based on experience. I think we need both. We can't, we can't just have research without application, but then when we apply things, we find what works, we find what doesn't work specifically for ourselves. And I invite you that even as you hear these tips, use them, but on top of using them, tweak them to your own tastes, especially now that you know why implementation intentions work, or at least, you know, three of the reasons that I agree with and one that maybe not so much, which we'll talk about, you know why it works. And so when you do tweak it, you're able to tweak it to your own taste. So let's start off right away with the number one feature of a good implementation intention based on my experience and research. Number one for me is that it really, really helps to tack on a written form of that implementation intention to your goal intention. What does that look like? Okay, if you had a goal, say, of I will make $100,000 more in the year 2023 from my side hustle, that is the goal. An implementation intention might be I will work on optimizing my business processes for an hour every week on Tuesdays at 8 a.m., Right. So that is written down as part of the goal. So your goal no longer becomes just 
one line. It's not one smart line. It's one line plus an implementation intention. And if you want to take this even deeper, now this is outside of the scope of this of this particular episode, but one thing that the research appears to indicate is that adding emotional triggers, emotional descriptors of how achieving that goal would make you feel is immensely powerful. But that's not what we're talking about today. And what we're talking about at this point is writing the implementation intention down as part, I say, as part of your goal is a huge boost in, in, in increasing your chances of attainment, especially if you go back and you review your goals regularly. Every time you review the goal, you review your implementation intention as well. That's number one. Number two is that you should use clear enough triggers. And I have found three factors to be huge. One is frequency, one is proximity, one is convenience. And this is based on some of the work that, um, that I, some of the work on what I, I made a video about it actually, the, the five minute rule, no, the 20 second rule, forgive me, the 20 second rule, which is if you can put 20 seconds of distance between you and something, the odds that you'll do it is so much less. And if you can bring something within 20 seconds of yourself, the odds that you do it is so much higher. And that's talking about proximity, proximity, use implementation intentions that leverage your environment, that leverage proximity. So for example, if your implementation intention, say for going to the gym, needs you to travel far or go through some kind of inconvenience to get to the gym, then it's less likely that that implementation intention would work. On the other hand, if there was a way you could link the gym, say, let's say the gym is a bit far from your house, but it's close to the grocery store. And let's say you shop for groceries. Very, very few people shop for groceries three or four times a week, but just, uh, just play along here. Let's say you shop for groceries three or four times a week, or you're in that area three or four times a week. Now you can tack on the action of going to the gym to something you already do. And that adds to the convenience and proximity effect of a solid implementation intention. So definitely don't make your implementation intentions inconvenient because that will affect the odds that you actually participate, that you actually take the action, regardless of whether or not everything else is, is perfectly fine with your implementation intention. That's the second bit. Use clear triggers that leverage frequency, proximity, and convenience. The third factor that I've found helps with making your implementation intentions work is that you should use actual if-then statements, but not just if-then statements to start. I recommend that you use if-then statements to deal with contingencies. A lot of people forget about contingencies when they're planning for their goals. This is one of the big ones for me. So an example would be this. Let's go back to our previous example of working out on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So let's say your implementation intention goes, I will work out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at lunch hour, 12 to one at the gym in my office. Okay, so that's simple enough. If it's 12 o'clock on a Monday, I'm going to the gym. But what if your boss or your or your business partner or a really important client sets up a meeting for 12 o'clock? Now what happens? Right? Or what if you happen to be working from home on that Monday and you're not anywhere close to the office? Now what happens? Right? So you you having contingencies in place for as many contingencies as you can think about is is a way to greatly improve the odds that your implementation intentions will work. So here's an example. I will work out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon at the office gym. If I can't make it in at noon because of a meeting or whatever, I will work out in the hour after work. So now there are two if-thens. The first if-then is what you want to do. The second if is 
if I can't do it because of this reason, then I will do it at a different time or on a different day. What does that mean? That means that you are never really caught off guard unless by something that you could not have predicted. And you're not discouraged either. I find it to be very powerful for me when I have that kind of if then for contingencies, because there's a tendency to beat yourself up for us to beat ourselves up when we don't do what we say we're going to do. But if we already had a contingency in place for it, then it's really, it's really not is damaging. We don't feel like we've lost control as much. And remember that it's important to feel a positive about not just the attainment of our goal, but the process of attaining that goal. You want to have a good time, don't you? You don't want to be um, constantly beating yourself up and feeling bad like you failed. So having this contingency is really powerful. So give it a shot. If you've been writing your intent and implementation intentions without contingencies, if you've been thinking about your goal, your goal actions, your goal response actions without contingencies, definitely start to think about contingencies because they will show up and often they aren't really that they're not really the catastrophic nobody saw that coming kind of things kind of thing they're usually things that we could have seen coming if we had just given it a little bit of thought so that is the third feature of a good implementation intention so let's talk about the fourth one optimize with technology if needed i, I remember mentioning i remember mentioning to do this earlier on in the episode and how it helped me overcome ego depletion technology can be an amazing servant but it's not a great master and but that's not the topic of this episode today but i just want to invite you if you're not currently using technology to help you attain your goals more to help you attain your goals faster to help you attain your goals easier then definitely consider it i know that there there is there's a dark side to technology use but it is a tool and it can serve you there are so many ways you can use technology you can use technology to capture ideas say you're you're on to build a business or you want to grow your business, it's very likely that you will trade in ideas at some point, having a way to capture those ideas effectively. You could use technology just to even help you organize your day, right? There's so many enhanced calendar apps out there that help you manage your day. You can use technology to help you manage distractions. You can use technology to help you track progress. Remember, a few months ago when I started, when I restarted or rebooted or let's say reinvigorated some of my fitness goals, I've, I've, I've had an app I've been using for many years now that I use to track my workouts and my progress and my gains. And that software has been so instrumental because every couple of weeks it graphs it. It shows you a graph of how you're progressing or not progressing. And it's been very, it's been very motivating for me as, as, as I continue on that journey. Calendar apps, like I mentioned, Todoist, any kind of technology that can help you achieve your goal better consider looking into it. It could even be something that helps you estimate your caloric intake. I'm not, I've done it in the past. I'm not a big fan of counting calories, to be honest. It just doesn't, it's just not for me. I don't think I don't, I'm not trying to get to that level of precision with what I, with what I eat. But I do know that for some people, they want to go that far when it comes to maybe they're managing their, their intake. I have a friend who has lost a huge amount of weight and feels so much better on some kind of really strict caloric caloric counting approach to eat to his food. And he has the personality where he can do that and sustain it for a long time. Some of us just don't. The takeaway is not so much that I want you to become overly dependent on technology, but use technology to fill the gaps, to keep you motivated, to help you achieve your goals. I'll bet you whatever goal you're trying to achieve, there is some form of technology, some app that could probably make it easier for you. And, and that's worth going, that's worth using in, in your implementation intention. Now, again, technically, this isn't a part of the intention itself, but it is an enhancement of the intention. And it's a tool that you can use to actually drive the behavior that will get you closer to your goals. And with that, let's move into the next section of this episode where we talk about the limitations of implementation intentions.
All right. As good as they are, implementation intentions are not perfect, obviously. <laughs> implementation intentions do have their limitations. And that's what we're going to talk about in this section of the podcast. And this is this is this might be a good point here. At some point in this section, we'll talk about what I said I didn't entirely buy into the idea that implementation intentions help you with not becoming rigid in the pursuit of your goals. But let's take it one after the other. The first limitation of an implementation intention is that an implementation intention depends on a sound approach to begin with. This is something that is not talked about enough. People tout the, the wonders of implementation intentions, but a good implementation intention depends on a solid, sound approach to begin with. If the action is to move you toward your goal, it must be intelligently matched to the outcome that you that you want. It also depends on an, an understanding of, of the situational cues. Right. So if you think about it this way, implementation intention links a goal responsive action to a situational cue. It assumes that you understand the goal oriented reaction and it assumes that you understand the situational cue. We cannot. That's not a given, is it? So I'll give you an example. Let's say you wanted to grow a business for sale. You wanted to grow a business for sale. There are so many aspects of the business that you could focus on that will help make the business ready for sale. That could be a goal for you that you want to make this business ready for sale. However, the biggest factor that affects the sellability of a business ultimately is, is, is sales. How much sales the business is making, how much money the business is making, how much revenue the business is bringing in. So if you, if you orient yourself, if you create implementation intentions that address everything but your sales, then even though you have a good implementation intention, the action it's driving you toward is not, it's not, it's not a goal-oriented outcome. It's, it's, not, it's just not going to get you there, at least not as, not as effectively as it could have. So that's one of the limitations. It depends on a sound approach to the actual goal that you're trying to achieve. And what does that mean for you and me? It means that we we still need to do our research. We still need to do our learning. We still need to be 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 aware of what's out there, how we can achieve. We need to educate ourselves and not just depend on the implementation intention. It has to be an intelligent implementation intention. So the second part of that is knowledge of yourself. So we talked earlier on about how distractions can come from outside or from inside. So you need to have an intelligent, educated implementation intention for it to work well. Educated in terms of knowing yourself and your own tendencies and your own patterns. And educated also in terms of the outside world. It, you kind of have to you have to match the action to the goal intelligently and that's when you plug that into the implementation intention that's the first limitation the second limitation and this is related to the doubt i had about the rigidity the the way that the, the literature suggests that implementation intention helps you prevent becoming rigid this this claim is made specifically in peter goldwitzer's paper that i'll link to in the show notes for sure, because it was a big source, because it's a meta-analysis. Meta it was a very, very solid source of information for this particular episode in, in, in connection with other, with other sources. But I'm not sold on it, right? Because I think for implementation intentions to be effective, it requires help from another goal protection practice. And that is what I what I call the periodic check-in with yourself. This is not the same thing as an implementation intention at all. It's something else you do on top of an implementation intention. Because if you just kept doing what you were doing and implementing the intention, I don't see how that stops you from becoming rigid. I'll give you an example. If you're trying to lose weight, for example, and you're doing all the things you know to do and you keep going to the gym, going to the gym, losing, doing the things that you know to do, doing the exercises, but maybe you're not changing your nutrition. Maybe the nutrition was actually the problem all along. There's nothing inherently baked into the implementation intention to go to the gym 
that actually stops you from becoming rigid and just going to the gym. But if you layered on another goal protection strategy, which is the periodical check-in, which for you might be checking your weight every morning or checking your weight every week or whatever, or every quarter. I mean, every quarter is a long time if the goal is weight loss, to be honest. Maybe for other things, every quarter, it makes more sense. But if you layer in that other goal protection strategy, which is checking in with yourself, then you, you have to reevaluate what you have implemented, as it were. The implementation intention itself doesn't self-check, is the point I'm trying to make. You have to add that layer as far as I can see, and as far as my experience and my and my work with this and my playing with this idea has shown me that you have to do that extra layer of checking in to see if your if your choice of situational cue and and goal oriented action are really moving you toward that goal short of that you actually do run the risk of becoming rigid there's nothing inherent into an implementation intention that that means that it's going to hold the primacy of of your goal you just have to check in with yourself and at that point where you check in with yourself then the implementation intention can be refined if needed it can be abandoned even altogether if it's not working and this is this is the this is the limitation the if then depends on intelligence and knowledge and it depends on you following up with the results you want to see, checking in with yourself and making sure that your implementation intention is leading to goal attainment. So thank you so much. This brings us to the end of this episode on implementation intentions. We talked about what implementation intentions are, the reasons why they work in helping us attain goals, how they can double the odds that we'll achieve our goals and how we can make sure that we're creating good implementation intentions, the, 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 the features of good implementation intentions. And lastly, we talked about the limitations of implementation intentions and the things we need to do outside and on top of implementation intentions to make sure that they provide the biggest bang for our buck. Remember, the this strategy, this process, this practice of adding implementation intentions to your goals doubles more than even doubles the odds that you will achieve your goals so if you're not already using it start using it today add it to your arsenal your tools of techniques that helps you do more by doing less and until the next episode my friend remember that it is not what you know that matters but what you do with what you know take care bye for now Thank you for listening to 8020 Productivity. If you enjoy the show, then subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. And if you'd like to learn about how Anthony can help you or your organization drive gains through smart, focused productivity, then head over to anthonysani.com. Until the next episode, stay true to your vital few.